0: If you would turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses, actually verses 12 and 13. Uh, My sermon got a little bit longer than what I expected, so we're going to do half of it this morning. So Hebrews chapter 12, (coughs) verses 12 and 13 through 13 it says therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed let's pray father I just ask that you take your word and you apply it to our heart this morning Lord. let the anointing of your spirit uh, be upon our hearts leading us guiding us teaching us father let our entire heart and mine be here this morning with no distractions. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You can all go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> A little bit shorter sermon this morning, and we're also <laughs> going to do the Lord's Supper, so it, it all works out pretty good. Everybody's going, shorter sermon. Yeah, I like that. They're all going, shorter sermon. Yeah, right, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> It depends on how many stories I get to tell him. So as as we begin, I want you I want to call your attention uh, to something from last week's text. Okay, uh, I wanted uh, some people address it all in, in in the same part, but I decided I would kind of shift it over. Uh, I want to go back, and I want you to look at our text from last week, verses five through eleven. And I want us to read through that very quickly. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11, he says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have endured; that you have to endure. for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So as we come back and we read and we reread that, uh I want to just you know kind of point something out here to you. In verses five through eleven, we see that the author uses the word son six different times. And he uses one of several pronouns—one, uh, you, we, us, or those—for son. He uses it. He uses that thirteen different times. And we stop and we go. Well, okay. What's the big deal? What's the big deal with that? Why, why are we counting how many times he says son? Why are we counting how many times he uses a, he uses the pronoun for son? And it's a reminder to the readers then and to us today. That they belong to him. We belong to him. They are adopted sons and daughters belonging to the living God. They are, and we are, his children. And and somewhere uh, in their hearts and heads, they knew that. They knew that they were the son, the adopted sons and daughters of God. And maybe what uh, they had been suffering and persecutions and in trials had faded that memory a little bit. Maybe they were distracted, caught up in all that was going on, but at the end of the day, he's reminding them, listen, you are the sons of God, you are the daughters of God. You've been adopted into his family. If we remember back, look at verse 5. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. So that's why we kind of step back and we go, huh, maybe they had forgotten their place in the kingdom. Maybe they'd forgotten that they were the sons and daughters of God. Uh, That they had seemingly forgotten that their heavenly father would bring chastisement and discipline upon them at times. Because that's what fathers and, and mothers do for their children. Especially the father. More so the father today. We need to be disciplining. See, and we go, we go back and we think of adoptive, disciplining, chastisement. There is retributive discipline for the grievous, open sins that we commit. There would be the corrective discipline. Uh, disciplining to correct the wrong thinking wrong attitudes, wrong behaviors there's that instructional correction to strengthen them so that they would bear patiently and endure and they would grow closer to their Lord and then lastly the preventative correction that comes their ways to keep us from falling into pride into arrogance and sin and so on and so on why does this happen again because We are brought into the family of God. We are adopted into His family. And if they had forgotten that, had they forgotten about their adoption also, they would have to know the teaching on their adoption. Because like many of us, I I believe that Paul is the author of the letter of Hebrews. And we know that they would have understood what Paul taught about it. They would know and they would understand what John thought about. It. If you turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, we see what John says about this adoption. John, chapter 1, and verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There's our adoption, right there at the very beginning, the opening of the Gospel of John. We have been adopted. Now turn over a couple books to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. We see what Paul says here. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. As As sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, That we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Turn over a couple books to Galatians. Chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. And verse 5. Paul again says. To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive... Adoption as sons. And then lastly, one my Bible, one page over to Ephesians chapter one and verse five, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. See, God, in all his sovereignty and his sovereign choice, chose to adopt us as his sons and daughters for His purpose, for His good pleasure. He chose you and I to run the race that we're running in today. Just like He did these Hebrews back in that time. He chose them, He adopted them to be part of that race. And think of what a great honor that is. Think of the honor that we as adopted children are called on to be in this race that we're in. See, He calls us. He regenerates us. He brings us to repentance and to faith. He justifies us before our Heavenly Father. Then He adopts us. He begins that work of sanctification in our lives, leading us to one day to the glorification that we'll have when we go to be with Christ. And if that's not an honor enough, then He calls us to cast aside everything in our lives, everything that weighs us down. Every sin, cast it aside. Anything that besets us in this race, cast it aside because we are his adopted sons and daughters. And I don't know about you, but I would would imagine that if I was adopted into a family, that I would feel very special. And that in most cases, most normal cases, that I would be willingly Obedient to all that my new father asked me to do. I would be faithful to do that. And if that meant casting things aside, casting sin aside, then I'm going to do that. And then, not only has he done that, he's he saved us, he's called us to cast aside those things that, that are, are just really inconsequential. He puts us at the starting line <laughs> of a race. And he sets us out on this great race that other great men and women have run. He puts us into a race as his ambassadors. We represent him. We represent the kingdom of God. We run this race first and foremost to bring honor and glory to him who has adopted us as his children. And I got to tell you, I don't know if you think about it much, but being adopted like this and being put in the race As his ambassador. Man that's got to infuriate Satan. And all the little toadies of hell. That's just got to burn him up. That this one who was so far from God at one time. Such a wicked sinful creature. Has now been adopted and placed into the family of the living God. An heir to the throne. And now running this race that brings glory to God. That's got to burn him up. And then as his adopted children, listen, he takes such beautiful care of those who have been brought into the family. You can turn there, but think, think back to Psalm 23. We, most of the time we use this in, in times of distress and discouragement. You always hear people reading, you know, uh, the, the Lord is my shepherd and someone's dying, you know. But How come we're not reading it in the race? And remembering that as the adopted sons of God how special we are. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. He's the one watching out on me on this race, not anybody else, not the president, not politicians. He's watching out for me. The Lord is my shepherd. And because I, I don't want anything else in this life, He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his his name's sake. Even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Think about those implications as an adopted child in this family. Think about these implications and apply these, these things that he's saying here to us being in this race in life. That's an awesome way for us to to remember what God does for us as we run this race, as we bring honor and glory to Him. And then sometimes, and I know it's it's there, sometimes painfully, but always joyfully, He places the, the chastening and disciplining hand that He has upon us for our own good and for His glory. Right there, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. Those weren't things you petted the sheep with. Those were, thing, those were tools of discipline. That rod, you give him a good smack on the, on the hindquarters to get him back in line. That shepherd's crook where you snatch that little guy around his neck and you jerk him back away from that cliff that he's fixing to go over. Or you jerk him back from that snake, that asp that's, that's crawling on the ground. Or you take that crook and you snatch him around the neck and you jerk him away from that poisonous plant. See, that's what my adopted daddy does. That's what my adopted father does for me in this race that I'm on. We think of all the, the dangers and, and dilemmas that come up upon us in this race. In Psalm 23, yeah, it's good for someone who's, who's on, the, on the last leg and they're on their deathbed. But man, it fits so well for us as we're running the race and reminding us who we belong to. And it's all to the glory of God. and It's all for our own good. And we are just adopted children. Are we just adopted children? Well, some may think so but we are His children. What makes it even greater is we're the fallen sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. And we are saved by the work and the blood of Jesus Christ. Brought into His family. Made heirs of the grace of life. Heirs of the kingdom. Heirs of salvation. Heirs of the promise. Heirs of God. Joint heirs with Christ. And again, we step back and we go, and he's placed me in this position to run in this race as his ambassador. These Hebrew Christians, they needed to remember those things. We stop and we think about the position that these Hebrew Christians are in. They are amid persecutions at this time, severe persecutions in some cases. Death in some cases. They are hated by their kinsmen, people of their own nationality, and even worse, they are hated by people in their own family because of their faith in Christ. If that's not bad enough, they can't even go to the outside and get some relief because they're hated by the pagans too. The pagans don't want anything to do with them because they don't worship all the gods. They don't participate. And the idol worship and the ceremonies and the rituals. And they would be tempted to turn back. Because it was painful. Or at least, if they didn't turn back, at least add to their newfound faith in Christ what they had previously turned from. Throw in some, some Hebrew ritual. Throw in some ceremonies. Throw in some paganism, a little bit of this. Make it a little bit of a hodgepodge of this, that, and the other. And we can be okay with everybody. The temptation was great. And oh, if they could, if they could only remember to keep looking to Jesus. To keep looking to Jesus. To consider what he had endured... To consider Jesus before His His incarnation and in all His glory. And now in, in all His glory as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To consider what He had endured during His ministry here on this earth. To remember that they were bought with a price. And now part of the family of God. Oh, they needed to remember that weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And it wasn't because of anything that they had done. It all goes back to a heavenly father who adopted them into into his family. And Christian, I just got to tell you all that in today's world and in today's culture, it would do us well to remember those same exact things also. Look at the world that we live in. Look at what's going on just in the last 24 hours. You know, I I struggle greatly because as I I guess as I'm getting older and things are changing, I struggle watching people fall into heretical doctrines, especially people that are close to me. I struggle when after years and years and years of teaching and teaching and 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 pushing, you know, proper doctrines and theology and proper relationship with Christ that I watch people just flippantly walk away from me. It breaks my heart. But today, we have to remember that there are some who do live in places of persecution. There are Christians today... Not ten centuries ago. There are people today that are dying because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They are giving their life's blood. There are people here, probably in this room, that you are hated and despised by your own families, your own countrymen, because of your faith in Christ. And don't tell me it doesn't happen, because I hear people say all the time that, man, my, my son or my daughter, man, he hates the fact that I'm a Christian. He it just it turns his stomach and he gets so angry that I claim Christ as my savior. And bottom line, look at look at the world, look at the United States right now. We are not very popular even here in the United States. There are people that hate us in this country because of our faith in Christ. People that hate us because We are adopted in the family of God. There are people here that are hated. And and I'll just tell you, if you're not being hated right now by the godless pagans and the sodomites and the atheists in this country, you might be doing something wrong. You might be telling them the wrong gospel message. Because those people here in America hate the Christians. Some maybe here in this room, you're tempted to turn from the faith. Right now, there's a great temptation, there's a strong pull to run from that faith that you've made in Christ. And if it hasn't happened, it will be happening. You will be tempted to turn from that faith in the days, of, in the days ahead. Some people will be tempted to to add to the Christian Orthodox beliefs that we hold to in order to hold on to just a little bit more from the world that makes them feel better or justifies them and their lifestyles. And oh, how we need to in this day and age to look to Jesus. All of us this morning Who are adopted sons and daughters of God. Stop and remember that. And look to Christ this morning. So why why the reminder of our adoption here? Why the reminder now and not in the last sermon? Because when we look at the exhortations that are given in the text, it should give us strength as we remember that we belong to God, as we are His adopted sons and daughters, that should strengthen us in this race. It should strengthen us and make our crooked back stand up a little bit more, even under the disciplining and chastening hand of God. It gives us strength. It gives us encouragement. It gives us a passion to see through on those things that we have placed our faith into the very end of the race, and all through the race, we glorify God. We exalt Christ as our King of kings and Lord of lords, and we do it in the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. So this morning, I'm only going to do two points. We're going to look at verses 12 and 13 in our text. So the first thing I want you to see is we need to get it together. Okay, we need to get it together. Our text says, wherefore, right there at the very beginning. Looking back on all the things that have been told to them thus far, from verse 1 to verse 11, he gives them all an exhortation to essentially, look, get it together, people, or get back at it, get, get going. The race is still going on, and that's the same exhortation we receive together. Listen, people, get it together. There's your exhortation this morning. Get it together. And here we go back to, that, to the racetrack and the race and the Coliseum and armed combat. And, and let me tell you as we, as we start this section. <clears throat> I got whooped really bad in a fight when I was 12 years old. Neighbor boy. He thought I did something to his his brother, we're all playing football together, and he thought I kind of hit him a little, I guess you could say unnecessary roughness on the field. Well, we got into a fight. I don't remember a whole lot. I remember hitting the ground about three or four times. Because man, he came at me, and he came at me like this. And I came like this. Just swinging, man. And he just sat there and, pa. One time, right between now, down I went. About three more times, he popped me in the forehead, the jaw, the cheek, and I went down all times. I guess after the fourth time, I just had enough, and I got up and went home. And that's important that you remember that, okay? We gotta get you down four times, huh? You, you better knock me out more than four times now. <laughs> he had those hands up, man, just, just like a boxer. And he just sat there like that, pa pa you know, just jab. and. It... Now, let's fast forward. That's the only time I've ever been whooped in a fight. And I've been in a couple, couple wingdings over the years. But believe it or not, the most violent fights I've ever been in was as a paramedic. Not as a sheriff's deputy. That, that goes right in the face of all that's going on right now, doesn't it? I got more brutal fights as a, as a paramedic. Uh, the first time was on the third floor of an apartment building... That we couldn't get the stretcher into the elevator, we had to carry it up three flights of stairs. So remember that. As I come to the t- the, fl- uh, the the apartment, the door is open. I see a guy fly past the doorway into the wall, and buddy, the game was on. It was a guy probably in his early teens, you know, maybe 15 years old, and he's a little bit. Bigger than me, maybe maybe a couple inches taller, but he was about my size, you know, weight-wise. And when we went in, what it was, was he had had a seizure, he was mentally handicapped, and he had monster strength. <laughs> so here comes me, my partner, and three firemen. He wore all five of us down, buddy. It wasn't but a minute or two, and we were all on the ground. I came home the next day with bruises, on my side and on my arm because when we got him down on the ground all i could control barely was one arm he was on his belly and i had his left arm and i had it my arms around it and i was grabbing his hand and he was taking that arm and just going Ugh, uh, uh. He slammed me into the into the into the ground more times than I can remember, and we fought for ten minutes. Finally, seven Fort Lauderdale police officers walked in the door. It took us another fifteen or twenty minutes to get him cuffed. I got worked out. The other one, same situation, little cafe out in the boondocks in in Jackson County, Florida, get called for a seizure, guess what? He's up like this and he came at us when we come through the door. It took everything I had to hold him down on the ground and guess what they tell you, and anybody who knows how things like this go, I called dispatch on the radio and I said, send me out! Well, after 10 minutes, I called dispatch back as I'm struggling on the ground with this guy who's trying to bite me and he's punching me and everything. I said, where's the deputy? Oh, he's still 15 minutes out. So I know what a good fight is. And I'm here to tell you that how we fight is important. See, our text starts out with lift your drooping hands. Lift your drooping hands. Drop your hands one time in a fight and see what happens. Put your hands down just one time in a fight and see what happens. If you wake up after a brief period of darkness, you won't put your hands down again. And there's a reason why we keep our hands up. You've got to keep them up. They guard your head, people. That's the most important part of your body when you're in a fight, your head. You can take multiple body shots sometimes, but it is very unlikely that you're gonna get knocked out by getting hit in the the stomach or in the chest. It's not gonna happen most of the time. And if you have your hands up, there's a benefit to that. Not only can you parry and block those, those, those blows that are coming at you, but you can counter in a defensive way with those blows. And you can, at times, do it uh, even with blows that come lower. You can deflect. You can parry with them. And you can, but you have to bring your hands back up. But wait a second. The author then tells them, strengthen your weak knees. Now we're, about, now we're on the racetrack. We're in the Coliseum fighting. Now we're on the racetrack. And one of the biggest bane, probably the greatest bane to any runner, is weak knees. I can't tell you how many people we, we get to talking about fitness. I say, Yeah, I run. They go, I can't run. I've got weak knees. And this is twofold. One is when he's been running a long time, the knees get weak, the leg muscles get noodly. It's hard to stand, let alone run. The second part of that is to have knees that are prone to injury or arthritis. Man, that's terrible. What do we do? Well, you, you slow down briefly, you massage those, those muscles as you're running, you stretch it out a little bit more, uh, pop a couple Tylenol or leave if you need to, rub some salve into the knees, wrap them up, you got to do something because you're still running. And here's another little tidbit. If you ever see a runner with his arms down at his side, he's almost spent. He's almost done. Most of the time, he's so tired that he can't go on any further. And it looks, it looks strange, but you see these guys, you know, when you run, they got their arms up, man. They're, they're pumping. You see those guys that are tired, they like, oh. they just, they can't even get their arms up anymore. And I got to tell you, I've tried running like that before. It don't work. It makes me even more tired. You got to keep those arms up. You got to keep them pumping. And likewise, fighters, the best position that you can be in is to have those to have those legs apart a little bit and one foot a little bit further in front of the other and you bend those knees. It gives you a good center of balance. That's what they teach us in self-defense in the sheriff's office. Get that center of balance so when they come at you, you can be pushed and, and your balance is there. It all works together here's the point. Hear me. Here's the point of what I'm telling you about fighting and what I'm telling you about running. Stay in the race. Stay in the race. Stay in the fight. Don't give up. Fight with everything inside you. Run with every ounce of energy that you can summon up. And that's why he's telling them this here. He doesn't want them to give up. He doesn't want them to fail. He doesn't want them to, to turn aside in any other direction. Keep fighting. Watch, you, you want to get scared? Watch some of these videos that you find on YouTube with law enforcement officers that are in hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> I watched one video. The fight was about 12 minutes long. And when the backup officer finally got to him and they, and, the, and, they were, and they had the suspect in one spot, another officer comes up. Twelve minutes, this officer collapses to the ground and can't even move. He is so worn out. But he fought until he, he knew his help had been, was there. And that's what I'm telling you today. Stay with it every step of the way. Do not give up. Remember, again and again and again, remember what Christ endured. And he went to the end, all the way. Isaiah chapter 35, verse 33 says, Strengthen the weak hands, make make firm the feeble knees. And the author here, he's been exhorting his readers and us, just as it was said to Job, Behold, you have instructed many, and you have strengthened the weak hands. Your words have upheld him who was stumbling, and you have made firm, feeble knees. Well, that's what I'm telling you today. Just like, I, just like they told Job. Get those hands up. Get those arms up. Strengthen those knees. Do what you got to do. Get into the race. Get into the fight and keep going. And I know that sometimes we grow weary and we get tired in this, in this race that we're in and the fights that we're in in life. And you're spent. Your hands are starting to hang down a little bit and your knees are growing a little bit weaker. Your legs are getting all noodly and everything. But now's not the time to give up. Now's not the time to give in. Get those arms up. Protect yourself. Protect yourself from the blows of the enemy because they come fast sometimes. And when you, and when you parry one of the blows of the enemy, then counter with a hand wielding the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, which is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirits, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Get at it. You've been given a tool. Listen, God would not have given us armor if we were not called into battle. If we're not called into battle both offensively and defensively. Now, strip down, run the race. Knees strengthened, muscles pumped and healthy to run with endurance that which is set before us. The race isn't going away, people. I want you to remember that. Until he calls you home, you are called to run this race. And you're called to run it faithfully and obediently. There's no reset in this, in this race that we're in. There's not going to be another race for you to, to undertake later on. You're in the race right now. No resets, no do-overs. You better find your second wind. Massage the legs, wrap them up, rub them down with liniment. But don't give up. And the only way we can do this is in the strength of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. What does he tell him there? Finally, be strong. In the Lord, be strong in the Lord this morning, and in the and in the strength of His might. See, you better get get it together. You better get at it, because there isn't one person in this room right now who's been called out of this race yet. You might be this afternoon, or next week, or next month. But as of right now you are called to run this race that you're in. Get at it. Get your hands up. Strengthen your knees. We remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run! Run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self control in all things. They do it to receive the perishable, the perishable wreath, but we are imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And I want you to know I haven't forgotten one thing. There's a major difference. That you need to understand in this text. One thing that is very different. Between the original reader. And most Christians today. The the original readers. Were going through some major. Hellish persecutions. Trials and tribulations. All because of their faith in Christ. Then add to it. Some of just the normal. Everyday trials. That everyone in life experiences. They would need a deep faith in order to lift up their drooping hands and strengthen their weak knees. That requires a huge amount of faith in Christ and the strength that God gives. They were probably experiencing God's chastening hand upon their lives in these most likely corrective and instructional and preventative ways, all to grow them and strengthen them and bring about patient endurance in their lives. And many of us, I'll give you this. Many of us are experiencing God's chastening in our lives by the way of many different forms and from many different mediums for the same reasons. He's correcting us. He's instructing us. He's he's preventing us. But persecutions, trials, and tribulations for our faith in Jesus Christ is a rare thing for most Christians in the world today. And such being the case, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Because there's somebody out there today that has it a lot worse than you ever could. And they're lifting their hands and they're strengthening their knees. Look forward toward that prize. Diligently strive to not grow weary or faint-hearted. Summon all the strength you have to remain steadfast For all God has called you to do in this life, rest in the fact that your Heavenly Father loves you and and seek the grace in receiving the promises that God has for you. Second thing is this, our text tells us, and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Christian, there is much that's written about the paths of this life that we can be on. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 says, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. The Puritan John Gill tells us this. He says, By feet are meant the walk and conversation of the saints, both in the church and in the world. And there are paths made ready for these feet to walk in as the good old paths of truth, of the word and worship of God, of faith and holiness. And to make these paths straight, Is to make the word of God the rule of walking. To avoid carefully joining anything with it as a rule. To attend constantly on the ordinances of Christ. To go on evenly in a way of believing on Him. To walk in some measure worthy of the calling wherewith we are called. And by way of example to others. If I'm going to run a marathon, give me a clear path. Give me a clear path to run on and let me make one as I go. Joe was telling me he's got a cross-country meet coming up this week. When you run cross-country, you want a nice good path, a straight path. And there are so many obstacles that we can clear easily on our own. Fallen branches, spider webs, debris left by others that are friend and foe. Our attitudes and our testimonies. And as Gil said, truth, the word of God and our worship of him. Right beliefs, faith and holiness. Looking to Jesus, considering Jesus, remembering what we are called to and by whom we are called. All of these and so much more are the things that make the paths straight for our feet. And how much they needed to hear these words in this first century church. All the pagan cults, the the Judaizers, all the junk that would be strewn in the path before these believers. So easily could they be distracted, turned aside. Opportunities to deviate from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They would need to clear a path to make it straight and truthful according to the word of God. All the while, they're suffering persecution. It would be to their own great benefit and to the glory of God to make the path straight. But our text then tells us, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. When we make straight paths for our feet, it is also to the benefit of others that are in the same race with us. How often it is when when we by clearing the way help those who are running alongside us or behind us, that may be weaker brothers or sisters in Christ. Maybe those ones that are ready to quit the race they become distracted and discouraged. They've strayed from the truth. And, and as such, they are tempted to fall away. And they need to be restored to have a healing uh, and soul and spirit to be picked up and to be strengthened. And we can point them in the direction of God's Word. We can show them in true worship of God. We can give them truthfulness of proper doctrine. We can strengthen their faith. We can stir them to holiness of heart and mind and purpose. And most importantly, most importantly, the, the greatest thing that we can do for these folks that we're clearing this path for is we can yell out at them, look to Jesus, look to Jesus, look to Jesus right now. We can we can passionately plead for them. To consider Christ, consider the one who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Consider him who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Those things alone can make that path straight. Those things alone can can take those sharp turns to the left towards heresy and those right turn those right turns toward unholiness, can straighten them out as straight as a ruler. To look to Jesus can level the mountains of unbelief and fill in deep valleys of ungodliness and make the path across the slew of despond visible so we don't fall therein. Christian, arms that are no longer drooping and knees that have been strengthened can do that. Arms that are up, knees that are that are strengthened, can make those paths straight. But the question that we have before us this morning is can you? Will you? Can you clear your own path this morning? Some of y'all got so much junk in front of you on your path that you put there by yourself that you can't be, you can't even think of how am I gonna clear this path? How can I clear for myself, let alone clear for someone else that's coming up behind me or alongside me? And I just beg you and I ask you, are you walking close enough to Jesus this morning? Are you in the word of God enough? Are you in prayer enough? Are you seeking the things of God enough? Are you living the way you should? Are you being an obedient son or daughter to the living God of whom you now now belong? Because if you, would, if you are doing those things, you're going to make straight paths. And if you're not doing those things, let me tell you what, you're going to struggle. And you're going to struggle to make those paths straight. And oh, thanks be to God that it is in His strength that we can and we do. And you, the adopted children of the King, The one who's traveling along the king's highways. Will you help make straight the path for others? Will you assist those with you and after you? Others have done it for you. Or or will you be one of those ones who all you do is just muddy up the path? You muddy it up with garbage and distractions and things that serve no good purpose. Oh, may it never be so that the the children of God cruddy up the paths that others have to run on. May we ever endure and ever endeavor to glorify God with our works and our behaviors while we're in this race. I don't know where you're at with all that. But it's always a strong rebuke to me that sometimes I need to check how I'm running. <clears throat> sometimes I need to step back and look at how I'm running my race. I have to remind myself to get my arms up, strengthen my knees. I wonder how many times Ms. <clears throat> Fern looks out the window and sees me Struggling to get up that hill right there by her house, because mm-hmm. that's what it's like in this this race of faith that we're on. This running to glorification one day with our heavenly Father. Get it together, people! For the glory of the living God with whom you have been adopted. Get it together. And then make the path clear for you to run and for others. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that you do a work in us at this time. And Father, we ask that we would seriously step back and consider our hearts as we partake of the Lord's Supper. We ask this in Christ's name.